KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Ryan Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa. And unfortunately, we're back on the topic of gun violence here again today, but looking forward more so at ways to stop it. Temple University students and parents rallied in honor of Sam Collington, a 21-year-old student who was shot dead in front of his home last Sunday by a wannabe carjacker. And a nonprofit called Man Up PHL has released a report on the causes and potential solutions to Philadelphia's gun violence issues. Jay, I think that this study that Man Up PHL has done is a really important step, and I hope that what follows are some actions based on what they found, because they talked to people who have been involved, they got some really, really good and honest experiences of young men who are living through this. And I think that is what we need to do is listen to the people who are not only victims and family, but also involved in the world where gun violence is spreading. And we're going to hear more details on this, of course, but I just think that that is the first step that we need. It's really easy to get bogged down and feel sad, frustrated, certainly depressed by the numbers that keep coming in, it seems like, day by day, at times, hour by hour. Homicides are one thing, but other people who are still getting shot, even if it's not a fatality, there is just so much gun violence in the city. And what's at least, I don't know if heartening or encouraging is the right word, but at least it preserves some faith, is to see that communities and people with some of these incidents so fresh in their minds that have hit so close to home, they're still willing to try and take action to make their voices heard, to try and get the ball moving towards meaningful change. I think we all know it's going to take a lot and not one single person, group, or entity, but the fact that in immediate response to some really horrible things, you're still seeing community members rally, family and friends rally to try and get their voices heard about a huge, huge problem. I'll take that as a a promising sign. Now, we'll talk more about this with KYW's community impact reporter Raquel Williams as she joins us on the podcast today to talk about research, including what Man Up PHL has done and how to move forward. But first, let's get to our Tuesday rundown of the headlines. Now, we start with an update on a story that we've talked about before. Sunoco has been slapped with a huge fine for drilling fluid spills that have occurred at Marsh Creek Park. We have talked about this before, Jay, and the spill happened way back in 2020. Sunoco is finally facing consequences, as our Suburban Bureau Chief Jim Melward will tell you. Drilling fluids and mud were discharged into a section of the lake known as Ranger Cove during construction of Sunoco's Mariner East 2 pipeline. The Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources and the Department of Environmental Protection say under the agreement, Sunoco will dredge at least the top six inches of sediment from about 15 acres of the cove that will replace all fish, turtle, and bird habitat structures disrupted by the dredging. The company will also pay $4 million for rehab and improvements to the park, including a public visitor center, an accessible boat launch stream, and shoreline restoration and invasive species suppression. We talked about this, guys, when some of these charges were brought against Sunoco and also the company that managed another part of that pipeline back a few months ago. And that company's name is Energy Transfer. In October, Attorney General Josh Shapiro announced charges against Energy Transfer. That's separate from the $4 million settlement that Jim was talking about in his report there. I don't like to shill for too much. I will absolutely shill for beautiful, 
recreation areas in the Delaware Valley. And Marsh Creek is fantastic. They had to shut down 33 acres of the 535 acres in the park because of this oil spill back in August 2020. That might not sound like a lot, but think about all the wildlife and part of the lake there that was used. It's a shame, and I think this is a step in the right direction. But still, if I'm a resident out there, this pipeline has been a problem Multiple offenses there for a while, and this would be an ongoing concern for me, and I'd want to see change before I believe it. There has been damage that is going to reverberate far past just the initial issue of the spill, as well as the amount of money that's been paid out. So, of course, we'll be keeping an eye on that. And now we come back into the city of Philadelphia, where instead of the issues of pollution, we're dealing with guns. And not just an issue of gun violence, but a literal gun problem. The city also apparently has an issue reporting gun arrests as well. That is correct, Jay. The police department had been doing some routine searches on the reporting of incidents involving gun crimes, and it found that a decent chunk of, out of 325 arrests that were investigated, at least 50, a minimum of 50, were associated with some sort of discrepancies in reporting. So 13 police officers have been put on desk duty while this investigation is ongoing. And this is just my thought on the matter. I think that there is a lot of talk out there for understandable reasons. I want to make that perfectly clear about bad actors within police departments, whether it's here or elsewhere. I do think it's important to see that there are examples of transparency going on. Yeah, I think that that's showing that police departments are taking things like this seriously. It's good to see police actually holding each other accountable because you hear a lot of times about police investigating themselves and it never really goes anywhere. But clearly it can happen. And I think another thing that uh, always comes up with these stories is the body cameras. Some of the questions involved in this were... There weren't body cameras on in some situations. Why weren't they on? Were they deliberately turned off? Did they forget to turn them on? So it's kind of unknown, I think, at this point, whether this was just negligence, forgetfulness, not really knowing the the protocol or intentionally disregarding it. But that's what the investigation is for. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of buffer zone because unfortunately, at times, police have shown they can't always be trusted to investigate properly with some of these things and they got to be able to do it. But at least the Philadelphia Police Department is actually doing something about this. So you do give credit where credit is due here because that is a that's a big deal. You can't have things like this because it ruins the public trust in things such as police departments around the country. And now for something completely different. This pandemic has also consumed so much of the conversation about such things as education over the last couple of years that we sometimes forget the basic functions that schools are supposed to have. And the city is trying to help with those as you get closer to kids get going on Christmas vacation. I was really lucky, guys. Knock on wood, I grew up in an area where I went to a public school where the notion of students relying on public schools to provide food, and not just food, but every single one of their meals, that was not something that I really experienced in my high school, even though it was a public high school not too far outside the city. But within the city limits, we know that so many kids that go to public school count on the school system to provide them for their meals. So what happens during the holidays when school's out of session? What are some of these kids going to do? There's an awesome program that Orlando Rendon, Parks and Recreation Deputy Commissioner, discussed 
It's called Refuel at the Wreck. Our Justin Udo reported on that. And here is some sound from Orlando Rendon talking about this program that kids who are students in the city can take advantage of during the holidays. We do know that there is still food insecurity when it comes to youth in the city and that they rely on the school district's meals in order to satisfy that void. So when the school district is closed, the city of Philadelphia, Parks and Recreation in particular, is uh, taking a stance and trying to ensure that kids do not go hungry, that we have meals that are available to youth and many of our rec centers throughout the cities. Now, these school lunch programs and free lunch programs, they go back decades, but it's tough out here. So to have a program like this, it is absolutely needed. Yeah, it's something that you don't really think about if you have easy access to food and don't have to worry about it, but it is a real problem for a lot of people. So these free meals are going to be available at rec centers from December 27th through the 30th and also on January 3rd. You can find all the locations of where they'll be at phila.gov slash food and of course on kywnewsradio.com. We got a couple more things really quick here. The city of Philadelphia is considered a lot of things. It's the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. It's got some of the more passionate individuals that support some of its sports teams, for example. But is Philadelphia really a sinful city of sorts? I always thought Sin City was Las Vegas. Maybe I'm missing something here. Apparently, Sabrina, it is a very sinful city. The numbers would say. According to studies by Wallet Hub, yes, we are the sixth most sinful city in the country. <laughs> How they're defining sinful, I don't know. There's, I guess they're using data like violent crimes per capita, which, uh, you know, our whole episode is about gun violence today. So excessive drinking and adult entertainment establishments per capita. So according to all of that, we're the sixth sinfulest city in the country. And sinful is such a specific word. And I'm not sure that I'm ashamed of being sinful. <laughs> <laughs> so I, my question is. Sinful is not necessarily evil, you know, things like, I don't know, lust and jealousy. Everyone gets jealous, you know. Gluttony. People love to eat. I mean, it's like that's considered one of the seven deadly sins from what I understand. It just seems like we have fun, except for the violence part. Yeah, we won't leave the violence part out of it. So let's break this down a little bit more because there are some subcategories here, and I'm going to run through a couple of them right now where Philadelphia ranked in the subcategories. We know that calculated all together that the city came in sixth overall. Number eight in lust, number 13 in anger and hatred. To me, that <laughs> I've lived here my whole life. That seems a little bit low, actually. Uh, number eight in vanity, number 39 in jealousy. I would have thought we for sure would have been a top 10 at worst jealous city. Uh, number 47 in excesses and vices, number 67 in greed, and number 81 number eighty one in laziness. Now, I, I guess what I need to find out is, like, do you want to have a higher score or a lower score? Do you know what this is out of? 81 out of how many? I got to scroll a little bit more. <laughs> At least 81. So I'm curious of these sinful cities. If Philadelphia is number six, who was one through five? That That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Well, naturally, Sin City itself, Las Vegas, is number one, followed by St. Louis, Houston, Los Angeles, and then Denver is right above us at number five. A lot of marijuana in Denver. Kind of well, kind of makes sense. I mean, it is the Mile High City for a reason. It's I, legal, however. Legal. It's legal. It right, is very right. much legal. But still, there's a lot, there's a lot happening up there. It's just it takes a second to get there. It's a mile high, for God's sake. <laughs> I did some further perusing. So we the, 81 being 81st in laziness, that's a good thing. Okay. We'd like to be lower. You want to be lower. Because I was going to say, this is not, we are not, we are many things. We are not a lazy city. No, this, it, no. Th this city works way too hard and grinds way too hard. I can tell you that 
but apparently we're lustful, which surprise. I, I, I don't think of lust when I think of Philadelphia. Anger and hatred, unfortunately, <laughs> I see it there. Jealousy, but lust and vanity. I mean, I don't know. Do you think we're a vain city? I feel like Philadelphia likes to make fun of itself. It's one of those, the only people who can make fun of my people is, is me, you know? Like, we poke fun at ourselves all the time, but you better not talk about us. So does that mean that we're vain, that we think we're better than other places? I, I think maybe the question we're talking about here is when does pride turn to vanity? Mm. Where does that line get blurred? And listen, this seems like a very comprehensive study from what was it? Wallet <laughs> Hub, Wallet Nerd. Uh, we don't know exactly what metrics were tabulated here, but perhaps we need to dive deeper into where does the line between pride and vanity get blurred? But I would agree. This is, an, this is a prideful city, perhaps to a fault, but not so much vain. And one last thing here before we head out. If you're looking for something new on television that revolves around the city of Philadelphia, aside from the new season of Always Sunny having just debuted over the weekend, you also might want to check out Abbott Elementary. It premieres on ABC tonight, and it's about a Philadelphia elementary school. Yeah, I thought this was really cool because it is created by and starring Quinta Brunson, who is from West Philadelphia. She was also in a Black Lady sketch show. You may have seen her on there. And it's a sort of mockumentary style show about an underfunded public school in West Philadelphia, which is, it's a fictional school, but that's not so far from reality. So I'm very curious to see how well this lines up with the actual Philadelphia school experience. It's on ABC at 9.30 tonight if anyone wants to check it out. Underfunded public schools. That sounds very familiar to me as both a, a former public school student and the son of a 40-year public school teacher. I can certainly <laughs> vouch for how real a lot of that is. It's a comedy, so it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's going to be a little bit over the top, but like, I get the sense that it might be almost a little too accurate in some places. We'll see. Going back to the characteristics of the city, I think one is we feel a great sense of pride when one of our own makes it. This is yet another TV show, movie. I'm thinking of the Goldbergs where someone from the area gets a big crack at a shot in Hollywood. I think it's awesome. Between that show, Goldbergs, and of course my personal favorite, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Of course. That, of it's course. The, that, that's the king of all of them, apparently, here is Always Sunny. It things Shows like that really do kind of give you the total sense of what it's like here in Philadelphia, which, again, yeah, we're probably a little bit more sinful than we need to be here, but still overall, City of Philadelphia, full of a number of really great people. Now, you can, of course, check out every headline that we've laid out here, plus so much more on our website, kywnewsradio.com. Now, coming up next here on The Rundown, we'll be talking about the new report that reveals some of the causes and potential solutions to the issue of gun violence here in the City of Philadelphia. Keep it right here. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd-Circa. And unfortunately, we've had to talk a lot about gun violence, not just on this podcast, but on the newscasts I've done, just about everything, unfortunately, especially lately, has been focused on so much of the virulent gun violence here in the city of Philadelphia. And last week, we brought up the increase that's occurring around Temple University's campus, including the killing of Sam Colleton last Sunday, as well as previously the killing of an 18-year-old who was walking his girlfriend home near the Temple campus not that long before that. Well, yesterday, Temple students, along with parents, rallied on campus in memory of Collington and to push for more to be done to keep students safe. 
And at that rally yesterday was KWW's community impact reporter, Raquel Williams, who joins us right now. Raquel, good to have you in here again. Thank you. We prefer to be talking to you about something that doesn't deal with this. You were out there at the rally. Could you describe that scene for us? Yeah. Interestingly enough, when I first arrived at the rally at the Bell Tower at um, Temple University, very few people, just a few parents milling around with signs. And they were actually kind of, you know, talking to each other, saying, you know, we really didn't do a good job, you know, pushing this out. A lot of people didn't know about this because a lot of people, you know, didn't show up. It was about halfway through the rally that we started to see a nice amount of students and some community leaders pop over um, and, and gather to hear, you know, some of the parents and People just, you know, pretty much what everyone's been saying. We need to do something. Uh, we need an end to the violence. Our, you know, students need to feel safe, so on and so forth. So it was a, a pretty laid back type of rally. But uh, everybody was pretty much, you know, we kind of knew, all right, we're, we're here to talk about gun violence. Nothing seems to be changing and we need to make some changes. I think that was pretty much the mood yesterday. Now, you were there and while you were there, you spoke with a number of students as well as a few parents, too. What was the vibe you're getting off of them while you were there? Oh, both the students and the parents uh, are concerned. I spoke with one parent. The first parent I spoke with, her name was Rainbow, beautiful name. Um, and she was holding a sign, which is why I walked up to her. She was holding a sign uh, with uh, Sam uh, Collingson's picture. And it said, in memory of. So, And I was talking to her, and she said, you know, my family and my daughter who goes to school here were very close Uh, with the family, and it really just hit close to home. Tragedy for anyone is difficult. This one just hit a little bit more close to home. So I just wanted to be here in support of um, some of the parents that kind of started this rally. Hopefully the college understands how important student safety is. A lot of these kids, they're they're at Temple. Some of them grew up here. Some of them are coming from different parts of the area, Different, maybe come from New Jersey, different parts of the country. This is still not what they bargain for when you come to a major university like Temple. Absolutely. And, you know, one student that I spoke with, he kind of echoed those sentiments saying that, you know, our parents and us, we all knew what we were getting into enrolling in an urban uh, university, but not quite this much. Definitely rattled. Yeah. A little bit of fear. You know, people are scared to walk to and from their cars and dorms and things like that. So definitely a little bit of fear for sure. That's not something you're supposed to hear. No. Going on to a college campus. No. Some of these parents met with Temple student government before the rally. Now, how did that go, and what could student government at Temple even do about this? Uh, Well, they did meet with student government, and they had a lot to say before the rally. And I was talking with uh, the uh, organizer of the rally who met with the students. Her name is Virginia, I believe, Jorgensen. And uh, they're calling for, uh, you know, lots of different different measures to be implemented in order for the kids to feel safer. Um, One, shuttle flights, you know, those buses that pick up the kids, they wait too long for them. They're hoping to have more flights. Um, They also would like more lighting, of course. And um, the university had already said that they are going to increase patrols by 50 percent. And, of course, they're looking for increased patrols as well. I'm not sure at the timeline if they've completely gotten to 50 percent, but they're looking for that. And uh, I thought what was interesting is that they would they want the students to be trained on how to better protect themselves, uh, which is interesting. I don't know if it's self-defense or just one of those things where walk in groups, which is what they're doing. Be aware of your surroundings, which is what they're doing. Um, but actually, it couldn't hurt to learn a little some self-defense me- uh, measures as well, too. So I'm, I think back to even when I was in college and whatnot, where you would hear people say that to young women, that you have to 
Make sure you walk in groups and learn to protect yeah. yourself. Where now it's exclusive to everyone because yes. bullets aren't exactly sexist. They they go mm. they don't care who they hit. And it's not just an issue at Temple. It's a problem city. Why? And there's a nonprofit called Man Up PHL that's been working to figure out the causes of this. And they actually did a study on this. Yeah. What did they find when it came to this particular study? It's interesting. They did this study. It took about nine months to do this study. And they released it a few weeks ago. And I gave them a call and I said, wait a minute, you guys did a study. Nobody picked this up. I said, no, not really. And so I took a look at it, 39-page document. And what they did is they spoke with 25 young men from Philadelphia that know the streets and a lot of their most of their business is in the streets and they were you know pretty candid with them and they they spoke with them and they decided to take the findings together with dr brian ellis from uh drexel university they they looked further at it and then they they came up with these these different solutions and the common denominators among all of uh, the young men that they spoke with and the common denominator interestingly enough was trauma Hmm. all of them are dealing with trauma all of them and, you know, one of the solutions that they came up with is to have uh, kind of like a, a rolling trauma unit that just goes around and, and helps counseling and, and talking to these different kids. Because, you know, if you don't work through these traumas, you just continue to repeat them, you know, unconsciously repeat them. You know how they say hurt people, hurt people. I say that all the time. But someone told me the other day, healed people, heal people, which is something that we really need to reflect on. So I thought that was interesting that they want to have like a rolling trauma unit to help people. Uh, there's There's a lot of. Trauma that's not discussed, especially particularly among black men, young black men living in cities just as this, because unfortunately, so many of both the perpetrators and the victims of this gun violence are young black men. Yeah. And, you know, our young black men are taught to keep it all in and just deal with it, roll with it, be tough and not really encouraged to talk about their feelings or the trauma that they've been through. Now, the executive director of Man Up PHL is a name that's familiar to a lot of us here in the city of Philadelphia, Solomon Jones. He shared a few stories about some of the young men who participated in this survey, who he said they were very transparent about it. We had a young man, he was shot on the same block where his father was shot. We had other young men talk about being shot by and set up by friends. I'll never forget one young man said to us, our fathers and our mentors are all in jail. Yikes. Heartbreaking. And here he is quoting another teenager who couldn't get into any of the city's charter schools. And so they put me in my neighborhood school with monsters. And so I had no choice but to become a monster. They're talking about foundational stuff that happens way before the trigger is ever pulled. See, when you hear somebody say something like that, it sounds more like they just got sent to prison. (laughs) And you go to prison and the first thing you do is you go find the toughest inmate in the room. And you step to him. This is... This doesn't sound like something that should be happening in just regular neighborhoods. I know. I know. And the kids are dealing with this in some of the urban schools where they have to, you know, kind of get with the program. And even if the program is negative, just to kind of have acceptance or in some cases, protection. The goal was not just to find the causes, but also some suggestions of solutions. What does Solomon and what the people at Man Up PHL like recommend? What are they doing next here? Well, from the survey, uh, what they uh, found, uh, some solutions that they'd like to see come to fruition is the creation of 300 jobs for at-risk youth. And they say that that should come along with some uh, incentives for corporations. Working with incarcerated leaders that are on the inside, 
there are incarcerated leaders that are trying to turn the lives around of people who are not yet in jail to work with them from the inside to kind of help the kids that are on the outside not get in there in the first place. So I think that's an interesting partnership that they would like to uh, to come up with. And also, you know, like I said, those those rolling trauma units, which I think is is, is interesting. But mental health, working from the inside out with those who are already uh, incarcerated and um, creation of more jobs. Those are some of the, the, the findings and solutions that they think would help make a dent into this um ongoing issue. It always comes back to the money, whether people are able to make it and sustain and survive. Yeah. It it's always comes back to that. So Raquel, we've talked about the rally at Temple, Temple students, parents, Temple student government. We have organizations like Man Up PHL. Have they come together and brought a lot of this to the city where obviously city leaders such as city council, the mayor, the anybody dealing with the police department, the DA's office what have they have they brought like their findings in any of these organizations, any of these groups to try to figure out what exactly to do to help clean up some of this mess? Well, the student government, um, they plan on submitting everything to the powers that be at Temple University so that they can go ahead and try to put those things in place. Uh, as far as men at PHL and what's happening in the broader sense of, of the city of Philadelphia, they do plan on bringing that report and their findings to the city council. And hopefully have some hearings on that and get, you know, the conversation going and get some things in motion. As much as we could go on about this subject, I know there are other things you're working on because you've been here a little longer now. And you've started to really <laughs> kind of get a footprint or kind of make your mark here. What are you working on today? Trying to. Today is interesting. I'm going on over to the Urban Youth Racing School. I don't know if you're familiar with NASCAR star Kyle Larson. He's the one that was caught on a hot mic using the N-word. Oh, yeah. I do remember that Kyle <laughs> Larson, actually. That one. What's oh, boy. interesting about him is he was groomed at the Urban Youth Racing School. It is black-owned, and they cater to young black and brown kids in, in Philadelphia. And the owner of the school is keeping him on. They want to keep him and continue to work with him. They rehabilitated his career and he's going to be there today to talk about the fact that this school rehabilitated my career. Uh, he went back onto the circuit. He was reaccepted and he won uh, his latest championship. So it's going to be interesting because he's, I think he's going to be owning what up to what he said um, and he wants to do better and the owner for keeping him on and he, he had to explain to the kids, you know, this is a tough decision to make, but you know, everybody deserves a second chance. And so we're going to keep working with him and he's going to keep giving to the school um, because he's working with the kids as well. So this is going to it might be a little uncomfortable, but I, I'd like to hear from him uh, specifically as to, you know, his change of heart and what has he learned from this. Actually owning up to doing something really, really dumb. <laughs> That's a revolutionary concept in 2021. Mm. We will certainly be looking forward to that. Raquel, you've since joined Twitter, by the way, since the last time you were here. <laughs> so how can people follow you on that bird app? I am at Raquel on air, R-A-C-Q-U-E-L on air. 
Raquel Williams, KW News Radio's community impact reporter, joining us once again on the rundown. Thank you so much for checking in with us today on this very important rally that was held at Temple University. Thank you. And the rundown is a production of KW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KW News Radio is Tom Rickard. Me, I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. It's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. You can hear me every afternoon on KW News Radio starting at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's After. Afternoon news that's on KYW News Radio 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and right here on the Odyssey app, where of course you can find the rundown. Follow us on Twitter at the Rundown PHL, and you can listen for free here on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. So for Sabrina Boyd Circa, Brian Seltzer, and our community impact reporter Raquel Williams, I'm Jay Scott Smith, thanking you for checking out this Tuesday edition of the Rundown. <laughs>